to smite you, okay? So that's, that's kind of where we are. Uh, and, and that really is the message here. Uh, but I, I'm going to stay on track with Revelation this week and next week. Then I'm going to give two weeks of Christmas messages. And then I'm going to bring in the new, new year with more doom and gloom. So uh, that's just so you know, hellfire and brimstone will be around. So, okay, uh, so here's where we are. Uh, just to, to bring you up to speed with where we are, because it's been a couple weeks now. Uh, the seventh seal has been opened. Heaven is hushed as they wait to see, like, like that gasp of, uh, that, that kind of a hush has happened. Uh, and, and the seven angels have been given seven trumpets, and they're about to start blowing these trumpets. And as they do, God's judgment is unleashed on the earth. What is going on here is essentially these are the battle, the sounds of the battle trumpets. The trumpets were tools or instruments to, to, to give direction in battle and to announce battle. Like today, we still know taps and reveille, uh, but, but once upon a time, trumpets were, were the, the long range broadcast instruments giving orders. And, and these diff- as each trumpet blows, God's next weapon of war is unleashed. And he is waging war against a rebellious earth to retake earth, against a rebellious mankind to retake earth. And, and that is what is going on. And the seven trumpets are divided into two groups. You may not have realized that unless you've, you've read this with re- really paying attention. But after, after the first four trumpets are sounded, an eagle flies in the sky and says, Woe, 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 for the next three trumpets are about to sound. And so we find a clear distinction between the first four and the last three. And the last three, those three woes aren't by accident. You know, he's not just saying, Oh, woe, woe, woe. He's saying, First woe, second woe, third woe. These last three are woes. And if you look at the first four, which were, today we're going to look just at the first four. That's why I'm telling you about this division. As you look at those, those last four, you go, wow, those first three look like woes as well. And so we're going to recognize that. The first four are terrible and disastrous. And they alone, what, what should they convince us is we ought to choose God's side. I mean, we want to talk a practical application for revelation and looking at these things it's so that we make sure we know which side we're on because God's side is going to win. Uh, he's not going to lose this battle. So let's start with, with the, the, the different trumpets. Uh, 6 through 12, I'm just going to read through all four trumpets and then I'm going to come back and uh, take, take them one at a time. So starting at verse 6, Now the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed." The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on a third of the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the stars became Wormwood, and many people, a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle cry with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that these angels, three angels, are about to blow. So so we have these different 
plagues striking the earth. So the first one, verses 6 to 7, a third of the vegetation is blown up or burnt up. I'll read just verse 7. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. So we have hail and fire mixed with blood are thrown to the earth. Uh, so, so, and a third of the earth, a third of the trees, and a third of the grass are burnt up. So what is happening here? You know, well, first of all, hail is the easy one. We know what hail is. And, and we understand that you know, typically when we think of hail, we think of small little pellets falling from the sky. Uh, this is, we've also heard of, of baseball-sized hail or softball-sized hail, and we'll see. I, I've never experienced the damage that those have, but I've seen you know, where they'll show cars that have been hit by softball-sized hail, and you see these big dents in them and windshields cracked and broken and things like that. We see evidence of that kind of damage. Uh, but hail, at least we understand. When it says hail, we know what it's talking about is coming down. But then he says fire mixed with blood. Okay, fire might be lightning, right? That, that might be the usual understanding as we understand fire coming from heaven. We, and you might picture lightning coming from heaven. But I don't know if that's the biblical understanding. Because I think in the biblical way of describing fire from heaven, it's fire. Fire means fire. And you go, wow, fire means fire? Uh, you know, it's, it, it, how could that be? Well, this isn't a phenomenon I'm experiencing. I'm familiar with outside of Scripture. You know, I have never seen fire fall from heaven. Uh, I don't think any, I've never heard, you know, got on the news and seen fire fell from heaven today. You know, instead, we'll have lightning fell and struck a golfer, or lightning fell and did this, or, you know, we'll hear a story of someone being hit by lightning, but we don't hear stories of fire fell from heaven and destroyed things. Uh, it's not something we're familiar with, but in the Bible, if we turn to one, I've, I've taken you here several times, but so I'm just going to briefly hit on it. Second Kings chapter one, uh, Elijah is is being threatened by a, a group of fifty people, and uh, so if we look at Second uh, Kings chapter uh, two, one, verse ten, it says. Uh, the king sent, I'll start at verse 9, the king sent to him a captain of 50 men. With his 50, he went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill. I imagine, I, I picture a little hill. You know, not a lot of hill. They just don't want to have to climb up this thing to get Elijah. Because they're within reach, voice reach of each other. Uh, and he's sitting up on top of this little hill. And, and the captain says to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again the king sent to him another captain of 50 men with his 50. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order, come down quickly. But Elijah answered him, If I am a man of God, God let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again, the king sent the captain of a third 50 and with his 50. And this third captain went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah. <laughs> right? He did not want to be burned up with his 50. Right? It, it's like, this is a war I can't win. This is, this is a battle I don't want to get involved in, which is a really important message to get. This is the whole, I think, application of this message. You don't want to go to war with God. Right? You do not want to go to war with God. First of all, uh, he can't hurt you. Second of all, you can't hurt him. Right? What are you going to do? Throw fire at him? Right? It's not going to work. Uh, uh, but this fire for, that comes down and consumes these people, it doesn't sound like lightning. 
It sounds like fire. Now, we have another episode, and that was God speaking, but this, or doing fire, but this time it's going to be the devil in the book of Job, also chapter 1. Uh, so we have it in 2 Kings chapter 1. We have it in Job chapter 1. In 2 Kings, it is God. In Job, it is the devil. So Job chapter 1, verses, uh, uh, verse 16 is, is the particular verse where it happens, or where it's described. Job's people, Job, this, God has given Satan permission to, to uh, make Job suffer, to, so that Job can prove his faithfulness. Verse 16 uh, it says, uh, while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And if we look back just a little bit, it says in Job chapter 1, verse uh, uh, three, 2, or 3, that he possessed 7,000 sheep. Fire from heaven, or it says the fire of God fell from heaven. It's what Satan's doing. The fire of God fell from heaven and consumed 7,000 sheep, as well as the men who were out, or the people who were out watching these sheep. So we find twice in Scripture where fire from heaven, two different episodes in Scripture, where fire from heaven came down and consumed things, and it doesn't sound like we're talking about lightning. So it, it, when it talks about fire, you go, well, sounds like when it says hail and fire... It's talking about fire. It makes more sense, hail and lightning, because we've seen that. That makes sense. I could, it's spring. That's all that means. Uh, but but uh, it's, it, it's happening. And, and so it might be lightning. Uh, it might be fire. I don't know for sure. I mean, I just don't know. If we're there, we'll be able to see it. Uh, otherwise, we may never know. I don't know if we'll know. We could say, well, I'll know someday in heaven. I don't know if in heaven we'll have this shown to us. I don't know that we'll care. Uh, at that point, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, I'm in heaven now. <laughs> you guys are on your own. Uh, it's maybe not quite that callous, but we will, be, we will have distractions, and they'll be good distractions. But that's the fire and the hail. What is the blood? Right? What is the blood? Uh, first of all, we want to remember this is a vision. And in, in a vision, what's more important is what it means as to what, it, what the picture is actually a picture of. So, so it, it might be... That, that this is describing death, that this hail and fire bring. It might be describing the blood of, of people who will be lost. It could be a picture of that. I mean, think about this for a second. How does the pic- idea of blood coming from heaven make you feel about this? Yeah, I don't normally ask that psychologist question. How does it make you feel? But it, that makes it gross. That makes you queasy. That makes this horrible. Right? Fire from heaven, that's scary. Big hail, that's scary. Blood, that's horrible. Right? This is, this is, it, it gives a different emphasis to it. And maybe he added this to John's vision just so that we didn't miss how horrible this is and that this will result in bloodshed. But at the same time, it might be blood. I mean, this may be something that a scientist will go out and check and say it's O positive, you know, or A negative or whatever it might be. But, but it could be that bad. Uh, why? Well, what, I mean, what do you do with the plagues in Egypt? You, 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 you can't escape in your mind a parallel between the plagues in Egypt in Moses' time and the plagues going on here uh, in Revelation, especially when we look at the two witnesses and one of them seems to rep- or, uh, resemble Moses. And it says that they will bring these plagues on the people. And these might be happening because the two prophets are prophesying, because the time 
frame is the same. It's the second half of the tribulation. And it says there that they will call down fire from heaven and the, the plagues of, uh, of Egypt will happen. And, 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 and we have these two prophets doing this. These might be in response to them prophesying and calling them. I mean, we don't know that. that you know, there's nothing but speculation in a lot of these, but the pieces fit. You know, there's sometimes two pieces of the puzzle fit and you're sure they go together. And then you work a little farther on the puzzle and you figure out, oh, that one doesn't go there. And man, it's hard to go back and unbind a piece. <laughs> but, but, you know, so it's, it's like I try not to be too confident in these statements, but the piece fits that this would be in result to that. Uh, this would be a result of these prophets. And, and what did happen when Moses cast his, uh, cast his, his rod on the Nile and it became blood? Uh, did it become blood or did it become something that resembles blood? Did it be, you know, and, and, and I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Uh, but it, it could be blood. We're talking about God working his judgment on the earth here. Uh, th- these, these things can be natural in some ways. But, but uh, at the same point, this is simply God doing it. And I'm not going to say it's one or the other. Uh, but but uh, it's, it's scary here. Whatever he did when he turned the Nile into blood... That's probably the same kind of blood that's happening here, and, and, and it makes sense that way. Now I'm going to take a little, little deviation. Uh, math teachers, you probably have a much better way of doing this than I do. But I, I'm just, this is just a, a little sidetrack to, to, to go, because you know, as I read through these four plagues, you heard the word a third a lot of the time. A third, a third, a third, a third, a third. Well, remember going back to the the trumpets? Let's go back to chapter 6, verse 8. Just real quickly. And it's talking about the fourth horseman and what happens to him, or with him. And if we look at verse 8, it says, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword, with famine, with pestilence by wild beasts of the earth. And so we have a fourth of the earth being destroyed or having plague or having famine and, and a fourth of the people dying with the seven trumpets. Now we're the seven seals and now we're into the seven trumpets and we have a third of things. Here is a math deal for you. And I'm going to work with the number eight because we have approximately eight billion people on the planet. So if there are 8 billion people on the planet and a quarter of them are destroyed, you now have 6 billion. Okay, now a third is taken away. If you take a third of that 6 away, you have 4, which is half of the original 8. Okay, a minus, you take a number, minus a quarter, minus a third, you have a half. <laughs> now, now that, that, that may sound like, Useless, bizarre, but half the world is destroyed at this point. Half the people have died at this point. By the time we finish these things, half the people have died. Half the waters are ruined. Half the people, uh, I mean, half the, the, the planet is burnt up and useless. It, it, this is, this is, uh, gives us a sense of the scale of what is going on here. Now, you math teachers, I, I, as I thought about this, I thought someone could probably write this out in a formula really easily who knows that stuff. Where's Becky? I, 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 she, she's gone. Oh, smart girl. Yeah, she knew I was going to pick on her. So she, she'd probably say, well, duh, it's, and throw out a formula. And I'd go, thank you. <laughs> What's that? What am I going to do with the formula? I don't know. I know it's a half, okay? <laughs> the, the answer is a half. When the test comes around and you're asked, the answer is a half. 
By the end of the trumpets, half of everyone, everything you see, half of everyone who lives will be gone. And just so you know, that's going to be followed up by another seven, the seven bowls of wrath, which are going to be much worse yet. Okay. Uh, so, so we move on from the, the fire, the first angel. Let's move to the second angel, verses 8 and 9. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of ships were destroyed. So a third of the water becomes blood, a third of the sea life dies, and a third of the ships are destroyed. Okay, uh, the water becomes blood. Well, same thing about blood. You know, I don't know what this means. I, 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 my, my mind... I don't know how your mind works. My mind likes to look for natural explanations. I don't know if that's a lack of faith on my part or if it's just reality looking at it and, and, and making sense of it because John is describing what he sees in this vision. So I picture something large being thrown into an ocean, sending out waves that overturn ships all over that ocean and polluting that ocean with debris that spreads out like blood, maybe even red, in the water and kills everything in it. That's what my mind does with this. Now, whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, my, my mind is small enough and my faith is big enough. <laughs> I'm going to say, God may, may simply make it blood, right? Uh, and, and again, like I say, the, the crime investigator can get in there and sample it and tell you, you know, what type it is and, and whatever. I, I don't know. But what is this thing that looks like a great mountain burning with fire? The first guess you make might be uh, a meteorite striking the earth. But I'm going to give you two reasons why I don't think it is. The first is a meteorite as big as a mountain. They make movies about those. They call them extinction-level events, right? As too big of a meteorite uh, and, and, uh, for, for this. Uh, it, it, would, uh, it, would not, it would not work. But second is, look at the next trumpet. Real quickly, let's cheat and go ahead. Uh, and the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. That is a meteorite, right? Uh, and so this is not a, described as a great star falling from heaven. This is called a something like a great mountain thrown into the sea, blazing with fire. It's not described the same way. I think this might better be explained as a large volcanic eruption. If we talk, if you think back to Mount St. Helens, we say the top of the mountain was thrown into the air or blasted into the air and landed over, among other things, Davenport, right? Uh, those of us who were around <laughs> uh, experienced some of this. Some of you who weren't around have still seen videos and things of it and, and projections of it. And, and basically, you see the Mount St. Helens before picture and the Mount St. Helens after picture. Mount St. Helens is not the biggest eruption this planet has ever had. Right? The name Krakatoa might ring a bell with, with, with some people. And I'm not sure of, of some of the others, but there's been others. And, and, and these explosive volcanic, volcanic eruptions that blast, uh, essentially destroy a mountain, throwing it into the air, blazing like fire, right? Uh, and, and, it, and it fits really well what's going on here. Uh, that's what makes sense to me. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but everything will be made clear when it happens. This one makes sense to me. But then we move on to the asteroid, verses 10 and 11. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. So Wormwood, I, I, I just look at Wormwood, and if you want a synonym, I call it rot, Right? Wormy wood is rotten wood. 
It's rotten. It's, it's bad. It's, it's not good. <laughs> you know, I picture crumbly wood. Uh, falls apart to the touch and, and uh, you know, decayed and old and just icky and gross. And so we have this, this uh, the name. Talk about a pleasant name. Uh, and, and so called, called, look at this. Rot hits the waters of the world. A third of the waters of the world. So again, how I envision it. And you, so you're all getting in, you're invited into my little macabre mind here. But uh, uh, I envision an asteroid making it through the atmosphere enough that it, you know, typically they say, you know, they burn up coming in unless they're so big. But this one makes it through so that it's not destroyed, but not so much that it doesn't disintegrate as it comes through, leaving particulate that is not destroyed. And this particulate is poisonous, and it's in the air, and it filters down, and it hits a third of the Earth's exposed waters. And, and it is poisonous, and it is bitter, right? The, people have to drink. I don't, care, I don't care if you know that water is bad. Eventually, you get thirsty enough, you do something about it. People have to drink. Now, we live in a place where we get well water. We get our water from the aquifer. You know, if that happened over us, you know, we'd walk around with little masks, but our water would probably still be okay. But everybody who gets water from a reservoir, everybody who gets water from a river, everybody who gets water from a lake, everybody who gets water from an exposed surface uh, where that particulate fell is going to be stuck. That's going to be their option. You know, bottled water is not going to last at Safeway very long. Right, uh, and, and uh, you know you can only drink Coke for so long. They, they you know, you're going to run out of alternate sources. And much of the world we've talked, you know, we've, we helped drill a well in India, so that those people could get good well water instead of having to go down to the filthy river to drink, get water. But all the people who don't have that option, that's that's going to be their option. Is 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 that filthy water that's made more, more bad, more worster, yet. And many people will die. Right? And then we get to verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their high uh, light might be darkened, and a third of the night, or excuse me, a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. So a third of the sun is struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. And, and again, my guess, my naturalistic little mind, looking at this as a guess, says God isn't going out and going to the stars and every third one pinching out, right, so that they'll be dark. And he isn't going to the sun and going, you know, and blowing out a third of it. And he isn't going to the moon and, I don't know, painting a third of it black or something like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's what he's doing. He could. I mean, he's God. If he wants to do it that way, he can do it that way. But, but it makes more sense to me that rather than... Uh, removing them, he's blocking them. And again, uh, naturalistically speaking, that's not hard to do in light of what's already happened. It's not hard to imagine a great cloud of particulate in the sky floating around, blocking the sky for a third of the day. Or we could even go to an event outside of the atmosphere. Think of the rings of Saturn. I mean, I don't know what it's like on on the planet Saturn, but I imagine those rings block the sun's light. In areas, and 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 if we're talking about asteroids hitting Earth, you know something like that could 
develop on Earth. I mean, I mean, I know I'm going way into speculation here, right? This is not something I'm saying. This is what's going to happen. I'm saying this explains what's going on. Whatever happens, a third of the light is being blocked, so that a third of the day is not just a third of the day is blocked, but a third of the the the, the light at night is blocked. And you go, there's not that much light at night. I mean, some nights are just dark. You know, we I go our the way our house is set up. My living room, where my nice hot wood stove is, and it's 80 plus degrees, <laughs> is, is, is here. And we come around, go down the stairs, and go by the back door. And sometimes it's so light out there, I look out to see if I left the garage, door, garage light on. Because I'm thinking, there must be a light on to put that, but it's not, it's the moon, it's the stars. It's so, another night it's so dark, it doesn't cross my mind, because some nights are just dark anyway. We're used to that. But, but picture, uh, even when it's light, it's dark. I mean, even, even, even what there is there. Um, because it's blocking a third. Uh, it could be something like a cloud blown by the wind. It could be something more. But the world is thrown into partial darkness. Uh, a third of it is taken away after we've already lost some before. And, and it's just going to get worse with the three woes that are coming. And those woes are big enough, we're going to take them one at a time rather than in a group like I'm doing with this. So what does it mean for us? You know, what does this mean to us here? And uh, like, like why, do, why, why does this matter to me? Well, you know, presuming we're not going to be seeing these things, go, you know, too bad for all the rest of you. Uh, well, you know, if someone asked me this week, someone who's, who goes to church here but hasn't been going for so long says, so are we pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? And I said, who's we? <laughs> but, you know, typically the church has a position, and I said, you know, we don't make an issue out of that. Uh, now, if you want to ask me what I am, <laughs> that, that's a different issue. And, and I know, uh, you know, just so for, for, because we come to this from different points. Different people have different perspectives. Pre-trib says before any part of this, this seven-year tribulation happens, Christians are going to be raptured. Rapture is a very biblical thing that the Bible teaches. And, and, and it says, uh, you know, those who are have died in Christ will be first, then we who are alive and remain shall be gathered together with them in the clouds, so we will be forever with the Lord. And it's, it's this awesome thing where one day, one minute, God's people are going to be here living and breathing, and, and they may be happy, they may be sad, but the next minute they're going to be happy because they're going to be in the air, you know, shooting up there, trying to beat each other. Paul Scott and I will be trying to bat each other down so that we can be first. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, and and uh, if nothing else, I'm going to grab, see, my, here's my strategy. I'm going to grab the bottom of his jacket, and I'm going to do this to launch myself forward. <laughs> so I've been practicing this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sorry, way off track. The rapture is absolutely going to happen. It's, it's, it's scriptural. But pre-trip says it's going to happen before any of the events of tribulation happen. And, and yeah, it's so nice. I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't believe pre-trib but I hope pre-trib. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, Mid-trib says it's going to happen at that halfway point before God starts judging the earth, and that way his people won't be judged. Post-trib says the, pre, the, the rapture and the second coming are the same thing, and it's going to happen at the end. We'll go up to meet him and bring him back. Uh, that's what the three different positions essentially are. Okay, it's, it's hard for me to answer and say we are this because I try, first of all, not to make an issue out of it. 
Uh, I, I don't want, uh, we, we tend, if we're not careful, to judge each other based on what each other believes on this. And I'm going, it's about something that, it's not a moral issue. It's not a moral issue what you believe. It's not affecting whether you believe in Christ or not. Some people will say, well, you can't take the Bible literally and believe, like, post-trip. And I'm going, show me because I think I take it pre I think I take the Bible pretty literally even though I might stand up here and go I don't know if the blood is blood right uh, <laughs> I still I think I'm taking the Bible pretty literally um, and so and so I have I have issues with that uh, but I think it's I, I try not to make an issue of it I think it's wrong to make an issue but but here's where it does become an issue is the stuff you're talking about if I have to go through it that makes an issue. <laughs> that, makes it, that makes it relevant to me. <laughs> if I have to go through this, it, it makes it relevant to me. It makes it relevant to the people who are going through. But aside from that, I don't think it affects your understanding of the book of Revelation. I think the book of Revelation progresses just fine talk, because it's talking about what's going to happen, and we're asking about who it's going to happen to. Right? That's the question we're asking. And the Revelation is, is talking about what's happening. Uh, and as I read this, I think we're finding out what is going on uh, much more than who it's happening to, until we get, by the way, to the next one, which is a lot of fun. It's the scorpion locusts that sting only people who aren't saved. <laughs> oh, that is really cruel of me to do that, but, you know. Uh, but when we start wondering, is it going to happen to me, then it's relevant. So, so I, I will agree with you. At that point, it's really relevant. But let me give you something that's more relevant. The other guy. The other guy. Because we might be raptured before this happens. We might be dead before this happens anyway. You know, because we don't know when it's going to happen, even though I think it's going to be soon. Uh, and, and we might not have to go through it at all. Awesome news. Therefore, I don't care. Do, do you hear how crass and cold that sounds? Uh, the, so long as I don't have to go through it. Remember, remember King Josiah, not King Josiah, Josiah was the good one. I can't remember the name of the one I want, but there was one of the kings, oh, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, who, who they came, the prophet came and told him, these things are going to happen, but not until after you die. And he said, oh, that's good, because there will be peace in my lifetime. But his children went bad, right? He said, that's okay, because I'm covered, right? We don't want to be him. We don't want to be him. We want to be the one who is seeking to save the lost. We want to be the one who is still trying to make a difference for others. What, what, what is more important, that I don't suffer on earth or that others don't suffer in eternity? Right? You go, wow, that's kind of a, I don't like the way you said that. Could you say it another way? <laughs> um, I, I admit, I, you choose my words. I have it written down so that I'd say it the way I wanted to. Uh, we have received eternal life. You know what? This world is not our home. We are strangers and aliens living on, on occupied ground, waiting for God to come. When, when he comes back, we're on his side already, right? Uh, it's a wonderful thing. This, what we're reading here today, it's about judgment. It's about God delivering judgment on the world. We're on the side that doesn't get judged. We're on, you know, if, if this is a civil war, we're on the winning side, and we know it already. And those people on the other side are not our enemies, they're people who need to be reached. Uh, what this means for us is a call to ministry. You know, we can't stop God's justice 
which is what this is all about, and we should not want to stop God's justice. We should want God to do justice, <laughs> to do justly, because that's part of his nature and it's what's right. But we should deliver as many people from it as we can because that's what delivers us. It's not that God is being fair to us. It's that God has delivered us from his justice because he's exercised his justice on Jesus Christ in our behalf. And we want to introduce that to as many people as we can. God is going to judge the world. That's what we're reading about in Revelation. God is going to judge the world because the world is in rebellion against him and deserves judgment. The plagues of Revelation are God's weapons of war being used against this, the world. It is a war man cannot win, but man can change sides. <laughs> you know, we have the ability to say, change sides. In, in this world, if you change sides, we call you a traitor. We call you a rebel. Uh, but unless it's against God, then we call you a believer. <laughs> we call you redeemed. We call you ransomed. You can't fight meteorites, right? You can't call, count fight volcanoes, you can't fight fire falling from the sky, you can't fight God. He's showing us these weapons of war, he's going to use these weapons of war for a reason. You can't fight him, but you can join him. And so we approach Christmas, right? Because we're singing Christmas songs, right? We're we're less than a month away, sorry all you shoppers. Uh, We're less than a month away, but we remember at that point the first time he came. The first time he came, here's what it says in John chapter 3. He did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He did not come to judge the world. He he did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. But when he comes the second time, he's coming for judgment or in judgment, with judgment. Okay? We are able still to present Jesus the Savior. We are able still to do that. He, he, did not, he, doesn't, he does not want to judge people. He is not eagerly hoping for the chance that somebody might not repent so that he can judge that person. He is doing exactly the opposite. He is eagerly hoping that someone will repent so he might not judge that person. That is what he wants. He wants the world to be saved through him. What we're finding in Revelation now is a reminder that we want to be his partners in this work. Okay, so I'm going to close my Bible now. I'm going to close my notes. I'm just going to say, if you have not yet traded sides, if you hear this and you go, I recognize I am on the side that is opposing God, he made it incredibly simple to come to him. Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago because he loves you. You don't have to wonder, does he love me enough to save me? Because he already paid the price. His side of the deal, it's like the money's already in the bank. You don't have to wonder, will there be enough? There is enough. It has been paid. It is enough for you. He loves you enough. He wants you enough. It's incredibly easy. All you have to do is say, I accept the eternal life you're offering. Dear Jesus, I come to you confessing my sin. That's what separates me from him. Uh, I, I ask you to be my savior and receive the gift of eternal life. And if you haven't done that, I invite you to do it even now. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message we have that you are coming in judgment. Father, give us a sense of urgency that we may respond rightly in sharing the gospel and being a light and seeking to be a blessing. Lord God, I ask for anyone here who who needs you as their Savior that you will give them the courage and the confidence to seek you, to pray to you, to ask your blessing, to ask your eternal life. 
to ask forgiveness, to make you their savior. I ask that you would give that person confidence, enjoy those people confidence, enjoy their salvation, and a joyful walk with you. I ask for all of us that we live faithfully before you. In Jesus' name.